0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're gonna to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Anybody besides me, all of a sudden it hit me. I'm, I'm imagining Jesus on the cross, and somehow or other I came to his mind. I could get you, right? Well, today, start off with, I want to give you some advice. Okay? I want to give you some advice regarding how to listen to a sermon. Now, just two things I wanted to say to you, and the first one is this, that when you, we've come and we've worshiped, we're asking God to work in our hearts and minds, we're continuing to worship, even as we open the Word and talk about what God has to say to us. So what I want you to to do is to really engage with what I just said, the idea that we are here to hear what God has to say to us. And so what I want you to do, whether I'm the preacher or you're someplace else, you know, when you're hearing the Word of God preached, taught, whatever, I want you to say, God, I want to hear from you. And God is faithful to do that. God will take his word as it's preached and as it's taught and speak to us as his people. We're not talking about audible words from God separate from what you're hearing from me. And sometimes it might be the something that God has led me in, in my preparation or even sometimes at the moment to say is something that you will hear as God speaking directly to you. Wow, that's that was for me. That's from God. And other times it may be things that, that I'm not saying, but that something that's being said, and it's the word that you're looking at, the Holy Spirit triggers in you this, whoa. And you have maybe some new understanding, or you have a new encouragement, you know, just, wow, God, thank you. Or it might be, oh, God, I need to change that. I mean, whatever it is, but you open this is one of the things with the Apostle Paul when he writes his first letter to the Thessalonians. He says, one of the things I was so glad about you, he said, is that when you heard the word of God preached, you took it as it was, words from God, not just from a preacher. And so that's the first thing. Hear from God. Okay? Um, and the second thing is this. And I, we could go more advice, but the second thing is this. Expect... Sometimes not to understand everything God has for us to understand. You know, in Isaiah 55, it, it says, you know, God says, hey, and hey's not there unless it's in the <laughs> Hebrew somewhere. But he says, hey, listen. Your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways. Before my thoughts are much higher than your thoughts and my ways much higher than your ways. Okay, uh, God is perfect in all his ways. Therefore, what he says about things sometimes may leave us questioning. Add to that the fact that he's speaking to you through a human being who is not perfect like God And there may be times when you come up with questions, or I don't understand that, or I'm not even sure that's right, or whatever. That's fine. If we start surrendered to God, we'll figure it out. Right? We'll figure that stuff out. And and we may not figure it out in the time of the sermon. Uh, And and the thing is, I say this to you because today's sermon may leave you with more questions than you're starting off with. Okay? but it's still well worth us looking at. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Turn to 1 Peter. We're gonna, um, actually, we're going to start in verse 11, where we were last week, uh, briefly. It's page uh, 1,392 in the Bible that's under the chairs there in front of you. So last week we saw this. He said, Beloved, I beg you, Verse 11, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And he kind of gives us some insight of why this is so important. The fact that, Besides the fact that it wars against our soul, he says it affects something else. He says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And again, the Gentiles here in this setting, he's talking about those who don't know Christ, the unsaved world. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, your conduct, your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And and we we said that that glorify God in the day of visitation really is talking about that they will have come to faith, either before God comes and takes them home or the final judgment or whatever. They will have come to glorify God because of you. How you lived. What your conduct was. And it was honorable. Okay. So now Peter is going to begin. Telling us what this means. What are we talking about? What kind of conduct is honorable? And so he says in verse 13. Therefore. Submit yourselves. Okay. We're going to read it all in just a minute. But really. Really. I want my conduct to be honorable before all men. I want people to be able to see, you know, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And I don't want to see that. And Peter says, Yes, your conduct is going to make a difference in the lives of all these people. Therefore, submit. All right, so let's just read the passage. And he goes on for the rest of the chapter and the beginning of the next chapter about this. Alright, so let's, let's start reading here, verse 13. Therefore. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, Yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice or or wrongdoing, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. And remember, he's telling us here about the conduct that's going to cause other people to see and turn to the Lord. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering, what's the next word? Wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable. Before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, talking about when we received Christ, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He's talking about what Christ took for us. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the. There's that word again. By the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, and when, it, when he keeps talking about by fear, he's talking about this respect, this genuine, deep respect. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise. And I want you to say, even though he doesn't say submit here, this passage is about submitting, and he says, husbands, likewise, in the same way. This is how husbands submit to their wives. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And and that word weaker, that really communicates the idea of the more delicate, uh, like the, the china instead of the stoneware, okay, as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Father, I pray that you help us to understand your word today and understand these truths that you put in it, that we might live lives that honor you, that show our fear, our respect for you, as we live that out in front of other people in these ways, and I pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So this idea of being submissive—what does this mean? Peter says, right? Okay. Here's here's you gotta live in such a way that your conduct is going to make a big difference to the world around you. Therefore, what? Submit. Okay. Well, what does this word submit mean? I, I you know. Depends where you're coming from. and I might mean all sorts of kinds of things. But this word submit means this. It's the idea of to arrange under. There's a prefix which is under. And the other part is to arrange. The Greek word. Okay. And so here's the picture. Here's, here's two people. Or this is a, an institution maybe. Or whatever. But this person is told to submit. This person then arranges themselves under the authority of the other person. And really comes up and helps. This is how you help and serve this person who's in authority over you, okay? And so Peter talked about human government, right? So we are to submit to human government and not come in and be, a, you know, a, a, we're, we're obeying on the outside, but we're rebellious on the inside. No, but a genuine coming under and, and serving under that. Uh, it's talking about uh, servants and masters, which is for us probably more like apply to employers and employees, right? We work for an employee employer, we're under their authority, and we we come under it willingly. We choose to do that because God God has told us to. Okay, talks about uh, wives coming under and respecting their husbands and living in such a way that it impacts their husband, that helps him to be the kind of husband he's supposed to be, and then we have husbands. You come underneath and submit yourself to your wife and treat her in these ways to lift her up. And so this is this idea of submit. You're you're arranging yourself under, you're placing yourself under the authority of another. Now, when we think about authority, there's a natural view of authority. By the way, have you ever known anybody who had an, uh, an authority issue? Anybody? Was it you? Because in reality... problem with authority is a human issue, okay? From birth, it's the way we are. But so a natural view of authority, the first thought is this. I am my own final authority. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would there, Eduardo. So I am my own final authority. I call the shots for me. Well, in some sense that's true because God gave me a will and said use it, right? Make decisions that are right or wrong. But that's, we're not talking about this. We're talking about I am not going to be submissive to anybody else. That is the way we are by birth, and which is why Jesus had to come. Because being our own authority, we did our own things. In fact, if you think, if we trace this back to the Garden of Eden, and there's Adam and Eve standing before God, was God their authority? Was he the authority in their lives? He absolutely was. And he said, Eat of this tree, and, and they looked at it. Eve looked at it and thought about it and decided she was. I don't know if she consciously did, it, but she was her own authority. And then Adam decided, hmm, I'm going with Eve, he was his own authority. And, and so, this is why we need a savior, guys, because we've all gone our own way, we've all refused to submit properly to authority in our lives at some point. Disobeying God in the process, which separates us from him and it's why we need a savior for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, I am my own final authority. Secondly, when we have authority that's like this and we have a conflict with authority, conflicts are settled by power. Okay, Who has the most power? Okay, if I, you know, if you have the authority and you have power, I'm going to settle this conflict not by what's true or right or wrong, whoever has the most power. And then there are no limits to the use of this power because if you are the one in authority and you're calling the shots and you're setting the standards, there's no limit to that. And then finally, there are no standards for what um, comprises abuse of power. Now, if you go around the world and look at, at first the history of how the world functions, and this is primarily how it worked, Whatever... Kingdom was in ascendancy at the time, had this kind of authority and exercised it, okay? And that's once again, that's a natural view of authority. Aren't you glad that we live in a nation that has been largely shaped by a Christian worldview? Now, I know we've talked recently about the fact that that is changing. It has changed a lot, and I agree with that, it has. But nonetheless, we have this concept that there is a... a There are limits to authority. Actually, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, so let's just hold off there. Now, we we see this experience. This is a natural view of authority, and so sometimes people who find themselves in authority positions are coming from a natural view of authority, not from God's view of authority, okay? And Proverbs talks about this in chapter 29, verse 2. It says this, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Have you done any groaning in the last 10, 20 years? Okay. And that's because there's not a biblical understanding of authority. Our people aren't submitting themselves to a biblical understanding of authority. So the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 13. He talks about authority. He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That probably creates some questions in your mind. Hang on. And he continues, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So he's saying, just as Peter it is, be subject, submit yourself to the governing authorities. And he says two things. First, there is no authority except from God. Okay? And he's talking about as you look through this, he's not really talking about the individuals who are governing. He's talking about government itself, okay? And, and it not just government. This could apply to other things, which we'll see in a little bit. Um, but the idea is that authority exists because God set it up that way. If we go back to Genesis chapter nine, I believe is where God establishes that human beings can govern, okay? That the government is a legitimate thing. Uh, So the authorities, there's no authority except from God. God is the one who sets up what is legitimate authority and what is it. And then the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And he's telling us here, you know, that the authorities that there's no authority except by God. He said, okay, And so the, the authorities that God set up, the authorities that exist as a result of God setting it up are appointed by God. God has set these things up. All right. Now, um, yeah, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. So what are these authorities that exist that have God has set up? Well, from Scripture, these are the ones that came real clear to me. We might find others we could put, but governments and citizens, uh, there's a, an authority relationship there that God set up. Employers and employees, an authority relationship, which we already saw here today. Husbands and wives, there's an authority relationship. And that's kind of a unique one because it kind of, Flips that in scripture and goes both ways with that. Okay, and then parents and children, we understand, and then pastors and church members. You say, what? Yes, I, I expect you all to bring me uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards next Sunday. <laughs> no, what it brings to mind real quickly is that none of these authorities are absolute. God has ordained what those authority roles are. Okay, what is it? My authority role here for you is to speak to you the things that God wants us to know, to preach the truth to you, and to work with you in your life, and to help to hold you accountable as need be, and vice versa. But so I have an authority. But, but if I come into your home and start saying, "Here's what you have to eat," see, I've what gone way beyond. That authority doesn't exist. God did not ordain that authority. And so there are limitations on each of these. Uh, And and one of the things that we see in Scripture is that authority is supposed to serve the well-being of those under authority. Okay, what's really good? And so the government is to serve the well-being of the people. Now, Christians can disagree about what's the best way to do that. Okay, there's policies, but there are things that that uh, the government God says are is to address the evildoers. Okay, and to do justice in those areas, and also to be supportive of those who are doing what's right. Now, wouldn't it be nice if that's what government focused on those two things? Okay. Anyway, that's so. Those are the limitations that God set in place. Employers, employers, employee, the. So many books, even secular books on business and management, all that kind of stuff, have adopted what God says here. And that's that the employer should seek to benefit the employee. And yes, there's business and profits and stuff you have to do, but you, you care about the employee and lift them up and encourage them. Husbands and wives, we've already seen that this goes both directions. It's just, and and let me say this because my daughter said this to me last night, something that she had heard years ago, and and I'm probably just going to paraphrase it here, uh, but so true. When the Bible talks about different roles and different responsibilities in those roles, that has nothing to do with your value as a human being. It says nothing about your values. If this is your role, or this is your role, you're equally valuable before God. So whether you're the one in authority or you're the one who's placed arranging yourself under authority, these people are both equal before God. Okay? Our, our, once again, our natural understanding of the world would say otherwise, wouldn't it? We're gonna dominate those who are weaker than us. All right. Uh, so parents and children, there are limitations to that, too. A children get older and leave home. And so the parents no longer have the authority over the children. The children are still supposed to honor the parent. And uh, on it goes. Okay. So these are the authorities that exist. These are the authorities appointed by God. They are legitimate in our lives. Now, people can exercise that authority in good ways, bad ways, Let's talk about this. It is your responsibility when it comes to these authority relationships. First, to submit to all God-ordained authority, okay? That's pretty broad, isn't it? But it means I am to to place arrange myself under the government. I am to arrange myself under my wife in the ways that Peter talked about in other ways, okay? And you have your things that you're supposed to do. He says that we are supposed to do that. So this is something God is telling us to do. This one isn't optional, is it? We think what God tells us to do, I bet when, if I had asked you today to come in and say, okay, what are some things that God just makes so clear and tells us we're supposed to do? You probably wouldn't have come up with submit. At least not right in the beginning. Okay, but this is what God says. So submit to all God ordained authority. We'll talk a little bit more about that, because the second point is this. You must, you have a responsibility to refuse to submit to any authority that's telling you to disobey God. Because who are we submitting to first? God. That's right. Okay, you have a responsibility to refuse to submit to authority that tells you to disobey God. And we see an illustration of this in uh, the book of Acts when Peter and the apostles were before the religious leaders and they were saying, you stop preaching about Jesus. And, And they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Go ahead. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And so anytime you are faced with a choice, am I going to obey God or am I going to obey another person? Obey God. Now, know this. In that decision to obey God, you may have to suffer for that. There may be suffering that goes along with that choice. That's part of what the Bible says we can expect. Okay. Now. How, what are the ways that, you know, they're asking us to disobey God? And the first one would be this, is that you directly, you disobey God's word. They're telling you, disobey God's word. There's something in God's word that just says very plainly, do this or don't do that. And the, the governing authority is trying to get you to do something that goes against that. Okay? Uh, and I don't think I have good examples. I think you can figure out the examples for yourself. But So that's very clear. If you're being told to disobey God's word, now, I, kind of, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the idea is this doesn't mean you go, I ain't doing that. Blah, blah, blah. No, I think the idea is you can make a genuine appeal to that authority. You can do like Daniel did, said, um, could we try this instead to accomplish the same goal? Because, And then once again, you have to recognize that it may be the authority says, no, and you're going to suffer for doing what you believe is right. Now, the second thing is this. Uh, a way you would disobey God, and that's that if you go against your conscience. Now, our consciences aren't perfect. They aren't always tuned up right. Uh, But God has given us those, and the idea is if I cannot in good conscience do what the authority over me is telling me to do, I have to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. My conscience will not allow me to do that. Um, and this won't always be as clear as the Bible specifically says. And by the way, Christians may end up in different places on this issue. Let me just use a real good example here right in the beginning. Uh, I mean, This is very pertinent to us right now. There are people who do not want to take the uh, COVID vaccine because they've all been connected in some way or another to fetal tissue. And many, many, many years ago. I don't know how many years ago it is now. You know, a terrible thing, right? Abortion, terrible thing. The killing of unborn children. And what happens is that if some of the cells were taken from an a unborn child that had been aborted and has been then used in research, used in labs to accomplish certain things. Two of the vaccines actually use the fetal tissue. And this is a the line. Many, they keep this, these cells alive. And many years now, there's two of the vaccines use the fetal cells in the actual production of the vaccine. And one of them didn't, doesn't use it, but it, it, somehow rather in the research, it's used. I forget how that works. But so a Christian, as Christians, we need to say that killing unborn children is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. But Christians might find themselves with a different level of conscience of saying, okay, I understand that that happened. It should never have happened. Here we are today, and I, I don't think I'm sinning against God by taking this virus. A, a Christian might do that, or a Christian might say, I, I'm sorry, I cannot in good conscience do that. And the idea is this. If that's where you're at, you must say, what? No. And in our culture today, that means you might lose your job. But the idea is we must refuse to submit to any authority that's telling us to disobey God. And so if our conscience is, and, and just, I mean, if you're wondering, I'll just tell you, I got, the, I got the vaccine. Okay? But you have to be honor God by being true to that conscience of yours until God shows you otherwise. It's that important. All right. Consider Christ's example of this submission to authority. Um, he did what was right. And what happened? He suffered for it. He lived the perfect sinless life. If there's ever anybody who was treated wrongly, it's Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. I've sinned. I deserve to die. In fact, the two thieves standing on either side of the Lord, as they're dying there, one's giving Jesus a bad time. The other one says, what's wrong with you? So don't you understand, we deserve what we're getting. This man doesn't. Exactly. Okay? And so Jesus didn't, he did what was right, and he suffered for it, and he obeyed his father and submitted. Trusting the results of him. Let's go back here into our passage, chapter 2, verse 23. Talking about Jesus. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously." Amen. Okay, so here we are. And by the way, it isn't always as stark, you know, as this little vaccine or not vaccine. It's in relationships and, and, uh, you know, how do I react to this person I'm married to, or my parents, children, whatever. So, um, but the idea is what we want to reach is that point where, what's it said he did? He committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And so this is where we need to be when it comes to submitting to authority that God has put in place. And remember earlier we read it, it said not just to the good, but also to the harsh. People don't necessarily use their authority the best. He says we need to submit ourselves to them unless to, to do so would cause us to disobey God. All right? So... Jesus gives us that example. And so let me just encourage you anytime you find yourself struggling with being under legitimate authority and you don't like what they're doing and, and you don't think it's even the best choice, you know, all that, but you're not being told to disobey God or violate your conscience. You just don't like it. You think it's wrong, in a sense, a bad idea. Arrange yourself under and commit your soul to God the one who judges righteously leave it in whose hands? God's hands don't take it into your own hands leave it in God's hands All right. so all of that believe it or not is just introduction to what we want to see today there are four and we'll move through them quickly here but four really practical truths related to submission that you want to grasp. And by the way, do you see how different this is than the way the world thinks? This, this view of authority and what it's for and how we're supposed to respond is unique to Christianity. And other places in the world and other governments in the world that, that still seem to acknowledge the idea of rights and human really that is leftovers from Christianity in their culture. Because it's Christianity that says the human being is valuable and has rights. Other religious views and cultures don't. Okay, all right, so first one is this. The biblical submission always begins with submission to God. That's where we're starting. In fact, let me show you. Out of this passage, I um, wrote down these phrases. Out of this passage we read, he's talking about submission. He says, for the Lord's sake, for this is the will of God, as bondservants of God, because of conscience toward God, commendable before God, Christ, our example, very precious in the sight of the Lord, who trusted in God. All of that is in the context of talking about submission, okay? Biblical submission always starts with submission to God. In other words, when, if I'm gonna choose to, uh, am I going to arrange myself underneath the government authority? Well, if it's up to me, guess what? Hmm, I'm gonna pick and choose, right? But if I say, wait a minute, no. I need to submit to God. And God tells me to submit to government. See how that's way different? Now when I'm submitting to this authority in my life, whether it's government or parents or spouse or whatever, when I'm submitting there, I'm submitting to God. By the way, that can make it a lot easier. Because I guarantee you that every time you look at the human authority over you and say, I don't respect that person. I think they're making a bad choice, whatever. But you know what? I'm submitting to God. It's it's a world of difference. And and can you trust God to take care of you? Even from a, a difficult authority? Might God let you go through lots of trials and tribulations along the way? And if he does, he has good purposes Amen. because he's, he's allowed it. Okay. All right. And so here's the, the bump on this. So biblical submission always begins submission to God. So if I resist submitting to God, ordained human authority, I'm actually resisting God. Mm. It's not about just resisting this person's though Man, I'm resisting God because God told me to be submissive here. Okay. Second thing, biblical submission is not just outward obedience, but it includes an inward Heart attitude. Paul talks about this for our servants. He says, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, in other words, just to look like it, or as men please us, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And fearing God is that, that reverential respect for God. I am submitting with sincerity of heart because of my relationship with God. And whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. So I find myself underneath this authority. And there are things that I'm beginning to do. Maybe I think it isn't fair. It's too much or whatever. But God has called me to be here. I'm not having to disobey God. I just don't like it. I need to say, wait a minute. What's the right heart attitude in submitting to God? What would that right heart attitude be? Okay, I need to bring that right heart attitude here with me. As I submit to this authority in my life. Okay. Now, let's just keep moving here. Biblical submission does not lower your status. It elevates it. Amen. Say What? It actually elevates your status. Um, Let me just look here real quick and make sure I... Yes. So a biblical view of humanity tells us that every person is of equal value before God. And, and not for God, just intrinsically. We are all made with an image of God in us. And we understand that image has been twisted and scarred by sin. But it, um, we are all equal before God. And that, that goes back to what I said earlier. Whether you're under authority or you're the one in authority, it says nothing about your value, does it? We're equally valuable. Okay? So understand that being under does not lower your uh, status. Okay, Uh, think about this, it's Jesus the Son of God, we understand the Bible to teach that there's one God and he exists in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit one God, three persons, one God which is it? which is it? yeah, yes (laughs) this is one God, three persons, the Son of God is absolutely equal to the Father. The Holy Spirit is absolutely equal to the Father, the Son, right? They are all equal. And so Jesus becomes a man, the Son of God becomes a man, the man Jesus, and consider what he says. He says, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Go ahead. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I think there's one more, go ahead for I have not spoken on my own authority but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. Is Jesus equal? The Son of God equal to the Father? Yes. Amen. And yet he did what? He arranged himself he under. under. So see this we what you have to understand. When you arrange yourself under, it's not lowering your status. In fact, if anything, it's, it's elevating your status. Um, yeah, you know, we don't have time. I'm not going to go there. But Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 tells us about Jesus. And it says that we need to, to think about our lives the way Jesus thought about his. And what it says he did is he was equal with God, but he still, he came to earth and made himself of no reputation and he humbled himself and became obedient. He, he arranged himself under his father's authority. He became obedient unto death. And... And it says, even the death of the cross, a terrible death. And it says, and then God has done what? Highly exalted him. He is the one who all people will one day, either voluntarily or otherwise, say he is Lord. Amen. He is Lord. What was God doing through that? Submission. Big stuff. And we read about it here. What was he doing through that submission? Jesus, by submitting to the Father and to the authorities that were going on there. I mean, he said, you know, his disciples were all bent out of shape about what was happening. He says, don't you think that I could call 12 legions of angels at any time and just take care of all this? But instead, he submitted to his Father's authority. And a whole lot bigger things were accomplished by God because he did. Think about that in your life. When it's time to submit to a a godly authority, a genuine, legitimate authority in your life, and it's hard, and maybe you don't like it, and you wish it didn't have to be that way, and it gets long and difficult, God is at work in your life. And He is doing bigger things than you know. He is. In fact, didn't we see that? What does Peter say? Live this way, why? So that others will see something in you and that something is God. God, excuse me. All right, fourth one, last one. Biblical submission brings the power of God to bear on everyone involved. On everyone involved. To the one who is submitting, the one who is arranging themselves under this authority and, come along and to, to lift up and to, to serve in ways that are good and proper. Uh, that person grows in faith that person comes to that place where they say, okay, God, I commit the well-keeping of my soul to you. You're a righteous judge. I'm going to trust you. What a big step of faith that is. Amen. Huge step of faith. And, and I mean, I go back to, to my years as a young man. I was in, in uh, college before I got married, went off to Bible college, went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City, Start with, and I've, I've come to faith in Christ the first year, and I'm all excited, and I'm, I'm thinking I wanna go off to Bible college and do this, that, and the other thing, and my parents weren't there yet. You know how that's like in your life? You come to Christ, and you're all excited about it, but your family's not there yet? Right, they weren't there yet. I was living at home, under their roof. They were paying the bills, and they said, no. No, you need, to, you need to stay where you're at and go to college there. And I had a little while while I was kind of, oh, what do you mean, God told me. God told me, I was supposed to do this. Who are you to tell me? Otherwise, I don't think I actually said that, but it got some great biblical counsel to say, well, these are your parents, and so your choice here, if you really think God wants you to do that, then fine, you gotta, you're gonna suffer because you gotta let go of the finances, right, and the, because you're gonna have to move out, all, all that kind of stuff, and by God's grace, I, I was able to say, wait a minute. God, I'm going to trust you to work through their authority in my life that this is indeed what you want me to do. And I am so, so grateful that I followed what they thought I should do. Amen. And I was still able to go to school and learn to be a pastor. I mean, right? But God was at work in my life. And so I grew through that. But you know who else gets impacted by this? The authority. Because here I am. I'm a child of God. Now maybe this person is too. But let's just. I'm a child of God. And God says. I want you to. Arrange yourself under. This person's authority. I want you to come along. Have a right attitude. and, And be helpful. And submit there. And all that. I want you to do that. Now. The pressure's on the authority. Because. Does God care about how people treat his children? All right. So. I have been around over my years with kids, I have a bunch of kids, knew other people had a bunch of kids and we were all around and, and my kids would get out of control and I'd have to straighten them out and somebody else's kids get out of control and they'd have to straighten them out, all that kind of stuff. One day, one of the moms decided to straighten out my children. Wait a minute here. Do you think God feels less than us? We're his children, and somebody here is not treating us right. And God may allow us to go through the persecution, but do you think God is not taking note? Justice will be done. So, these four points that I want you to remember: biblical submission brings. Go ahead, next slide. Biblical submission always begins with submission to God. It's not just our outward obedience. It includes an inward heart attitude. It doesn't lower your status. It elevates it, and it brings the power of God to bear on everyone involved. It's not natural. And most likely, you've got lots of questions. And that's great. I'd love to engage with you about them. or You talk to each other about them. God will get us where we need to be if we start with... Surrender the Lord. I want you to see this, that submission wraps up all three of these things that we are to be doing. We surrender to the Lord. That's where we start. We submit, right? And when we submit, we end up growing. And when we live this way, Peter says, the world will take note. It's a way to tell others about the reality of God in our lives. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, you'd stir our hearts to to embrace it and to live by it. And and each of us, Lord, here today, those things which you spoke to us, whether directly through something that was said or indirectly with your spirit inside, I pray, Father, we would say yes to you in those things. Be honored and glorified in us, Lord, and help us to to navigate this uh, by knowing the word and following your spirit's promptings related to the authority is in our life, and if we're the authority, Lord, for somebody, man, that we would, we would exercise that authority in the fear of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.